Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. It's because we're recording on Mother's Day, or it's because every time I tell Fubar to stop after playback, it doesn't listen to me. Anyway, welcome everyone. In no, I know PC Tony. Thank you for teaching me how to do that. I clicked it. I swear to God, on the stack of Bibles, clicked stop after current. Blue check mark is there. Thought it was good to go. That's why I tested it before we recorded. No dice. You also have to click stop. I did. Stop and stop after playback, after current. I, I don't, what? Yeah, it says it. That's what I got. This is like one anyway. of these behind-the-scenes making of bandwagon my, nerds documentaries. You have two things checked. I have two check marks. It says stop and stop after current. Your computer is evil. Or I missed one. Who knows? As it is, just another friendly reminder of Patrick O'Dowd's incompetence in the land of podcasting. Even despite the best efforts of experts like PC Tunney, 
Patrick O'Dowd can't get it right. I'm sure Greg DeMarco would agree. Welcome, everyone, into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Of course, I am Patrick O'Dowd. You heard the voice of the live studio audience, PC Tunney, and actually the voice of the lawyer himself, David Ungar. We are sans Ray Cash, rightfully show, rightfully so, as we record here on this beautiful Mother's Day out on, on the East Coast, anyway. Uh Ray's got some things going on. Family comes first. And so I don't know what that says about us and our relationships with our mothers or the mothers in our lives. But uh, I already took care of my Mother's Day duties this morning and, you know, spent some time with my mom and gave her a gift. So there you go. Right. I mean, mine comes down to a phone call because she's in the Midwest. My mom's no longer with us, so can't do anything about that. Just got to take care of my wife. So awkward. I mean, it's all right. You know, I mean, it is what it is what it is. Certain things are inevitable, right? That is true. On a long enough, on a long enough timeline, everybody reaches zero as Brad Pitt would say. Uh, Hey, real quick guys. Not only do I suck at working the soundboard thing, but I do have new soundboards. Like I can say that bandwagon nerds is a part of the chair shot radio on the chair shot.com. And then I can follow it up with this. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey, it worked. It worked. I didn't do it. I had something out there. Ha ha. Thank you, Christopher Platt. Uh, we are excited. We are starting another project for the next five episodes here. We are bringing back a follow-up to the Villain Project. We are going to the other side of the spectrum this week. We are going to be doing the Heroes Project. And in an effort to get us to what was supposed to be Loki, which then Disney Plus screwed up and moved up the start date. So now Loki's playing on a Wednesday on June 9th. The math's all wrong. Whatevs. We we have started down this path. We are going to head down this path. We are doing the Heroes Project for the next five weeks. We have five great categories of various top 10 heroes according to the bandwagon nerds this week we are covering the topic of the top 10 heroes in television and streaming series uh we figure i i know when we did the villains project we did like a big like kind of i think we said it was in film dave you said you went back and listened was it film is that what we said it was it was film and tv they were combined and that to me, felt too big. Like, it just felt too broad. And so I thought it would be fun to just add a category and approach the television side of things and do heroes from television. Ray, dedicated bandwagoner that he is, kindly sent us his list. So we'll be able to include his selections, but we won't have to pontificate, proliferate, um, whatever sort of long flowery statements we want to say about that. We will name the names looking over his list. I saw some things in common with at least what I know Dave and I have talked about. Uh, so that'll, that'll be kind of fun. And yeah, that's really all we're going to cover this week. We were going to cover one other topic, but I want to make sure that the, we have a full bandwagon to cover it. And we, um, are pretty certain that this is going to be a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. And that of course is the big Superman news, but, we want to hold off on that until we have a full panel to have what I would say is a fruitful discussion about what's coming down the line for DC films and Warner brothers. So without further ado, I think we can just get right into it. 
we are going to follow the same rules we've always followed when it comes to our projects. Uh, for those of you that recall, we I always randomly determine an order. The nice thing about Ray not being here is that my randomized order doesn't get messed up because the randomized order was Patrick, Tunney, Dave, Ray. So now it's just Patrick, Tunney, Dave. Everybody wins. We'll we'll throw I, I guess we'll throw Ray's names out there when the when when his terms come up just so that he gets his due. Uh, but the rules are, are the same. These are our top ten heroes uh, from television programs or streaming programs. These are our lists. These are by no means definitive. If we have a matching name on our list, but one of us has it higher, we will always defer to the highest point that the name appears on that list. You all can't see it because we don't do this on YouTube or anything like that, but it'll be a hand raise on our end. And we'll go for a, we'll go from there. We're going to do 10 through 6 before we take our commercial break. After our commercial break, we'll do five through one, and Patrick O'Dowd has a question. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the bandwagon. How you, you guys right. that feel reasonable? Yes, if I may, there's one clarification, one slight variation between the Heroes Project and the Villains Project that you and I discussed yesterday during yes. Chair Shot Radio. Is that when we did the Villains Project, we said that everybody had to be based in comic books. Had to be a comic yes, book villain. Yeah, away from that. We kind of yeah. Th- this time we kind of said that it it's really is just a hero project because there have been some iconic TV shows involving heroes that don't necessarily stem from comic books, but are still very well beloved. And we'll be talking about a couple of them as we go along here today. Absolutely, and I will say that out of the, um, I stuck with the genre. Like you won't see me. Like I don't have MacGyver. In my list, but if I were doing a hero's project, let me, let me, hold on, I gotta switch my list. What about what about Sam Beckett? Number twenty one on my list actually got crossed off. Oh, you might have him, hey? Right, see that got crossed off. Ooh, right below underdog. There you go. Excellent, Tony. Uh, I didn't have underdog, but Super Chicken. He had Super Chicken on there. Well, wait, wait and see. Mighty Mouse. You all, you all have heard of Super Chicken, right? Like you know, that's a real cartoon. I mean, Dave, you were like nine when that cartoon was running, so you, you better know. He was no Hong Kong Fooey, but... Oh, God, I forgot him, too. Cute. Captain Caveman? Right? Captain stuff. Caveman? Shit. Yeah. So let's talk about this list, like building this list, because I did have a little bit of trouble, and I and I totally bent the rules for two of... Well, actually, as I'm looking at this, there's a few. I bet I bent the rules quite a bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but everything's kind of steeped in either a science fiction or superhero bent. Uh, I didn't, I didn't go too far out of that. And, and even then I didn't go too deep because there were some characters that I would have loved to have included that are just from some great sci-fi shows. And we may have to do a sci-fi television series project or something or sci-fi superhero television project at some point so that you guys can talk about crisis on infinite earth. And I can talk to you all about how fringe is low key. One of the greatest TV shows that nobody watched. Um, but, and there's some great characters on that show that I, to this day, love that show. Wish it had never gone away, but yeah, I will start with you, Tony. Because you said you you put together a list and it got up to twenty one. Did you have to stop yourself? Like what happened trying to pull this list together for you? Actually, I was like around seventeen, and I was like, I can find three more, 
just to round it out to 20. Cause I, you know, you, you go on and first you, you guys probably do what I do. And I, I don't have anything in mind. I know what, I know there's a couple things that can be on there, but I hit the old Google machine, TV superheroes, find the best, most cohesive lists, look through them all, go up and down them. And then I just start writing things down that like, okay, this can make the list. This was good. I didn't watch this, but I know it's good. It's in contention. And then when I got to the solid 20 with, I did cross Sam Beckett off just because it was a little bit out of the realm. And I'm glad you got to have him on there. Apparently. Uh, I just went down, like put, put little check marks by which ones would be in the top 10 and X's by the ones that wouldn't. And then I ranked the top 10 and then I would just rank the rest of them. So I had my whole 20 top 20 here. I mean, if just knowing what I know about you and some of the series you watch, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm correct on some of my internal guesses. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil them on the show. I don't want to do that to you. Dave, you said you struggled. Why, why did you sure. struggle? Man? Because you're like 9,000 years old and we're around when TV was invented. That's exactly cutting them right. down or coming up with them. Coming up with them at first. I, and, and I'll say this, like, Nobody Ted, knows who Happy Duty is, no, so he had to cut. No, he had to cut Happy Duty. He's not a hero. Us. He's a pain in the ass. Uh, but no, I'd say like looking at my list, like ten through six is very much recency bias. I mean, extra extreme because you guys are the ones who've gotten me into watching streaming shows, and and and, and I and I didn't feel comfortable enough with some of the other ones. Like I, I know people are going to be on Tony's list because uh, I've seen him on you know, and they're on Ray's list. And it's like, I want to put them on there, but I don't feel comfortable enough with the characterization to put them on there. And, and then in and then, then like five through one and, and my number one kind of number one. Kinda. Whoa. Where's that echo coming that, from? I don't even hear it. So it's all you, bro. It's all me. Uh, my number one got altered right when we talked about yesterday, what we talked about and and, and as soon as, you mentioned the guy you put on there. I thought of somebody else. I'm like, oh, that's got to be my number one. So it's just because I haven't watched as much of the modern TV as 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 like like I and I told you off air. Like I've already got my list for next week put together because that was easy. Heroes and movies yeah. and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, TV I just is not. It's not in my wheelhouse. So I did kind of struggle a little bit. But in looking at it, I'm like, yeah, you know this this will be an okay list. Sure, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm all over the place. Whoa! What in the, in the world? Most beautiful place. We'll get rid of that. Wow, Sorry, that's, did you guys is that, hear that? Is that the new Ray Cash Total Package that, commercial? Where no, that the that was the Total Package series. Ten metrics. Me, five me weeks. Trying to get a cast in IMDb, deciding that it wanted to play a trailer for me. The Total it, Total, it, total it, Package Package Package. I was trying. I was trying to type in the name of the first show so that I could get the name of the actor because I forgot to write it down. And uh, apparently, IMDb decided I wanted to hear their tribute to Asian actors. So, kind of rude, all right, kind of rude of you to not want to hear the tribute to Asian actors. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. It's that's not what we're doing today. So, um, I'm sure they understand. But my okay. So I. I was all over the place. I did cheat a little bit. Like I said, I, I threw in a couple of folks that weren't really, they weren't based off of comic books, but they're there. Some of them became comic books, uh, in fact, or became characters in comic books. Uh, but all of them are within a similar sort of, like I said, science fiction or superhero event. So my first selection, though, as Dave mentioned, is uh, the character Ralph Hinckley, played by a guy named William Cat from the television show, The Greatest American Hero, 
which was a sitcom in the early 80s about a teacher. He's like, a, he's like either a high school teacher or a, he teaches at like a junior college or whatever, who comes across an alien super suit that gives him all these sorts of wonderful powers, but he loses the instruction book. And so he doesn't know how to use the suit and hilarity ensues. And he is found by the government. He has got like a government handler that's kind of like shield. And he he basically just sort of stumbles through solving crime. And the reason I loved him so much is because he's totally a relatable character in my mind, because it's what would happen if I found a super suit. Like I'd be completely inept at it. Like and he just he would get lucky a lot of times when he would like save the day and it's, it's fun. It's endearing. And he was just like this, it was a cute character. It's a, it's a, it's a show you can watch reruns, I think on Amazon prime. Now, uh, the first, the pilot is like a mini TV mini series movie. It was like an hour and a half long, two hours long. I don't recommend watching that. It's boring. Get to the show itself. The show itself is much funnier and a lot of fun. And so he was mine over 10 because he was like the everyman who to me is like, what would really happen if some schlub became a superhero? You, 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 you stumble your way through it. Absolutely. And, and I love the choice. And this got the conversation going that impacted my number one, which is we're going to talk later. But don't forget the great theme song from this show from Joey. Oh, Scarber- it's one of the Joey Scarberry. That that theme song, by the way, kids, look it up. Uh, cause I, I don't want to ruin the show with my singing voice. That song made charts in the eighties, like kind of like the friends theme song when friends was huge. It made like pop charts, like the greatest American hero theme song, which was like, believe it or not, I think is the name yep. of the song. Believe it or not. It's just me. It's a, it's a, it's a soft, it's just a little soft, easy listening tune that became a hit. Because of the TV show, Greatest American Hero. It is very much in line with the other types of theme songs from shows during that time. For I mean, it sounds just like anything else. Like you're going to hear from that from that era. So I love the choice, man. It, it's it's and he was so fun because yeah, just watching the intro to the show, him trying to fly and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's just crashing into stuff, and uh, he did a great job. Same. So that's my number 10. We'll move on over to Tony with your number 10. My number 10 is George Reeves. Okay. Uh, uh, he was my number 10, Tony, and I crossed him off for something else. But this, go ahead, man. This this is an interesting call because you're way too young to remember this. When I was growing up, though, I lived with my grandparents when I was a little bit younger for a period of time, which was great. And my grandpa, it was on syndication, so it would come on. And, you know, the first two seasons were black and white. And then I think the last four or five were in color. Um, just kind of seeing the way they would do, you know, they, they used the wires and the cables for the, the taking off and the landing. And then when he was flying, you could clearly see he was laying on something and everything else. But it was kind of like the first thing that is like, one of the first great flying soup, uh, you know, special effects on TV. This is like, you know, the early fifties when it first started. So, uh, the show was sponsored by Kellogg's. <laughs> he actually did a, a public service announcement on some stamp savings thing for schools or something I read about, but yeah, it was a pretty big freaking deal. Um, and, uh, what, you know, uh, the, the intro, you know, uh, 
leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, faster than a locomotive, everything else. Dave, you, you, you know, you, uh, oh, yeah. you said you had it on your list. I did. I mean, and, and I mean, the adventures of Superman with George Reeves was huge when I was a kid because it was still, it was old even back then, but not as old, of course. And, and this is before Christopher Reeve, same name, different, you know, not, not related, uh, had done his portrayal of Superman. So really all you had at, at, for context was George Reeves portrayal of of not just superman but of clark kent and george was very suave kind of like a george hamilton-esque kind of performance that he put on there just you know very refined very distinguished the never clark kent you know he never got that bumbling sort of mild-mannered reporter vibe from george but he was pretty good as superman and just you know i it, it was until until christopher threw down that performance which we'll talk about next week, I'm sure. Uh, he was George Reeves was Superman, and I mean, and and the actor's story is fascinating, especially the end of his life and as to what actually may have happened or may not have happened. Gr- big mystery in Hollywood, but I love the choice, Tony. I just I just bumped him because I thought of somebody else at the last minute. But it's it's a great. He's number eleven on my list. Yeah, it's 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 one of the more. He was kind of truly the first television superhero. And it is, and like you alluded to, one of the great mysteries of Hollywood. Like it ranks right up there with the Natalie Wood story. Like it's just what the hell happened to George Reeves. So, but yeah, I I remember of all the things he had the jawline, like the the face and the, like the like that's really like the superhero face is really what what sealed the deal for me there and uh yeah terrific 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 choice tony uh quick superman aside by the way i meant to tell us at the top of the show so the little o'dowd wanted to watch man of steel because it was on hbo max and you all know how i feel about Zack snyder so i was i was thrilled to put this on but in the middle of the movie all of a sudden the little o'dowd starts booing the movie like out loud booing the film and i'm like dude why are you booing he's like well because they played this like super epic movie and our music and all it did was show us a spaceship that's not epic this movie's terrible and i was like my boy my boy that's right man of steel is trash george reese though great great stuff dave you're number 10 before long we're gonna have two full-grown patrick o'dowds walking the earth oh, god there's no hope for us. <laughs> yes. I've never yes! seen him so happy in my life. I'm proud. That's my boy. It's my boy. Until he, until he comes <laughs> out and says, dad, I, I like rise of Skywalker better than the last Jedi. And then, then it's oh, all fuck over. That I will disown him. He will be cut <laughs> it'll out. Be, it'll, it'll happen. It'll be somewhere down the road. There'll be just one singular rift. It won't even be something on that big to any of us, but between them, it'll just be devastating. <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be more that he'll say, I like justice league. <laughs> that's okay anyway yes. uh so my number 10 let going in with, with my recency bias is uh is pedro pascal's performance of the mandalorian that's my number 10 mm. and uh i you know 11 on mine he would be higher there you go so we've swapped our 10s and 11s you know he'd be higher if you actually saw him more you know you hardly ever see his face but you know it's his portrayal uh, and just what he does in the show as far as his progression, especially from season one to season two, and his relationship with Grogu, especially after Grogu gets named, uh, I, I think Pedro Pascal turned in a tremendous performance in 
and and maybe that and maybe I'm not giving enough credit the fact that you never see his face until the very end, but yet you find yourself relating to this character on some way. Mandalorians are not generally regarded as heroes, but there's no doubt that Mando is. And I I think his performance was tremendous. So yeah, he got number 10 on my list. Very cool. Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. I didn't think of any of the Star Wars series when putting this on. Like for some reason, I, and and it's not, and and the thing is, is, I think I've talked about this. Ahsoka Tano is probably one of my honorable mentions after you get done watching if you haven't watched Clone, I, I really can't believe how much I've come around on the Clone Wars series, but really, really strongly endorse watching the Clone Wars series if you haven't. And Rebels, checked is, it out. Rebels as well. I mean, they're both tremendous shows. Right. Well, on the Bad Batch, which just dropped their first episode as a connection to Rebels, because Freddie Prince Jr. voices a. He's not a full-on Jedi because he was a Padawan during the Clone Wars when Order 66 was released. His character shows up in the first episode of bad batch. And so you get to see how he escaped and it's, it's just kind of neat how they had Filoni brought those series all together, but that's neither here nor not. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of star Wars shows when I did this though. Oddly enough, I thought of other sci-fi stuff. Um, Ray's number 10. We're actually going to talk about a little bit later because it's higher on my list. So I'm going to save his number 10 uh, until we get to it. His number nine was Peggy Carter as played by Haley Atwell on the very brief one season run of, or no, it was two, two seasons, Agent Carter, uh, which got a couple of mini runs on NBC when they were trying to make Marvel series happen on NBC programming. So that was, that was his number nine. Good call. Dave, you're number nine, sir. So yeah, continuing with the recency bias section of my list, uh, my number nine, Sebastian Stan as the winter soldier. Um, I, I dug his performance. It's not as good as the other one that we'll, I'll talk about pretty soon, but you know, I thought he did an excellent job with uh, Falcon and winter soldier or captain America and winter soldier, whatever, whatever have you about the title um, of, of portraying the winter soldier and Bucky's kind of another guy who evolves as the series goes along and kind of comes to terms with who he is, starts to accept what he's done and tries to make amends for that all the while trying to be kind of like the voice of reason to Sam and getting Sam's head as to look, this is why you need to be captain America. Um, I thought, you know, he breaks away here and there to do this stuff with Zemo. And I, I thought that he turned in a really, a little bit of an underrated performance just because of everything else going on in that show. But I thought he did a hell of a job and, and I, I loved his performance or his portrayal of Bucky. So I got him as number nine. Yeah, I think that's a solid number nine. Uh, I agree with you. I think of the of the kind of the quote unquote heroes of the show, he's the one that, like, I love what happened with Sam Wilson and where his character is going. But Bucky was the real highlight for me going through that series. So terrific, terrific choice. IMO. Thank you, Mr. Tony. It's to you. Nine number nine is a character who is alliterative. And it is Darkwing Duck. Let's get dangerous. That's right. It is. It's. I don't know. I. I loved it growing up. I love Ducktales, and then you have the spinoff, you know, and everything else, and the connection from the shows, and Launchpad, and Goslin, and the and the Muddlefoots, and everything else that ensues. It's. It's just. 
it's a cartoon that is very interesting because they actually create their own like super league of of um uh, superheroes for a couple episodes and things of that so it's very there you know it's from the comic book and everything else and there's different spin-offs and there's origin stories for as how drake mallard became darkwing duck and jim cummings does a great job in the original i know they did the reboot and everything else but yeah for me darkwing duck had to be in my top 10 i wanted to kick things off with george reeves and then i wanted to give some love to drake mallard aka darkwing duck I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the spinach that is stuck in your teeth. I am Darkwing Duck. My dad, of all people, loved that show when I would watch it as a kid. He cracked up. And it was the dad joke of the I am the terror that flaps in the night stuff. Like, he just ate that stuff, though, because that was totally his brand of humor. Yeah, Show all of those Disney action packs. The dogs love them too. The, the they're not, they're not happy. Just, yeah, sad for them. The, the the Disney the Disney action packs of, of the afternoons with like them and Ducktales and Tailspin and and all that stuff was just always great. I remember weekday afternoon entertainment. So excellent. No fault there. In in my in my opinion, Tony, excellent excellent choice. Uh, you mentioned it. My number nine. From Quantum Leap, Dr. Samuel Beckett, as portrayed by uh, by Scott Bakula. Just, I, I was obsessed with this show in, in the late 80s, early 90s, about a, a man who is a scientist who discovers a way to travel through time, but he can only travel within his own lifetime, and he gets trapped with his consciousness leaping into the bodies of people from the past and his whole thing is that he has to fix wrongs that happened in the past. Like he has to fix what went wrong and make things right to, to then be able to leap. And he's, he's stuck and he's trying to make this leap home. And in the, in the history of television, in my opinion, it's one of the more unsatisfactory finales due to corporate and tell like they were planning for more seasons and it got cut off its feet got cut off before it could end and you were left with like it's so bleak samuel beckett never leaves home and they imply that he chooses not to leave home but it was like it, it was it was so dissatisfying as a fan of that show because you just wanted to see him him get resolution uh and you know, the show did kind of jump the shark towards the end where Sam Beckett's leaping into famous people. Like he leaps into Dr. Ruth uh, Westheimer at one point. He leaps into Elvis. Or not Elvis. Um, Lee Harvey. Yeah. He leaps into Lee Harvey Oswald at one point. Does he leap into Elvis? I think he did. Uh, and so it just got, it got a little silly towards the end. It's already kind of a silly concept. When it was him just leaping into random people, and kind of fixing small stories. I thought that was such a great narrative to tell. And you guys know me. I like I like positive shows. And that was always a very positive show. Like a good thing would happen and he would move on. Who played Al? Because that was just the one of the better one of the better complimentary characters in. and portrayal of a supporting actor in a in a great sci-fi TV series. He was he was phenomenal. 
phenomenal. And the little gadget he had that he would hit all the time and it make the weird noises. And they would, you know, Ziggy says the percentage chances of this are blah, blah, blah. You know, I remember the pool episode is one of my favorites where, yep. you know, Sam, Sam was horrible at pool. And even though he was good at math and he could figure out angles, he just sucked. So he's like, he, what did he like devise like a laser system on the table where you hit the ball here this hard and this is where it's going to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. His name was Dean Stockwell. Yeah, he was, um, and yeah, he was a, he was a great character actor all the way, but yeah, he, Quantum Leap, which was, a, had like a nice little five-year run. He was, he was awesome as Al. Um, 21 on my list. There you go. So that was my number nine. My number eight is my first foray into more modern, modern-ish stuff. And that is Clark Craig's portrayal of Phil Coulson from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Phil Coulson got a lot of love because of his role in the Iron Man movies and and eventually comes to a kind of quote-unquote sad end when he dies when Loki kills him in the Avengers. But everybody knew he was coming back because, again, they were starting this show on ABC. I think I said NBC earlier. is ABC because Disney. Um, ABC started a show called Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was led by Phil Coulson. And it was... His team, and he pulled together, and I mentioned to Dave, somebody else, and I changed my mind because I originally had Quake as the character I was going to go with on here, but Phil Coulson's really the glue. And the show is bookended uh, from premiere to end with Phil Coulson moving on with his life uh, as as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's, it's just great, great stuff. He has always been a great actor for Joss Whedon shows. Uh, Joss Whedon being a toolbox notwithstanding, uh, he does cast some really great people, and Clark Craig is one of them. Hell of a hell of an actor. And he he keeps a lot of that wit and personality that he had from being in Iron Man, Iron Man, or sorry, Iron Man 2, Iron Man, and all of those, and eventually the Avengers. Uh, that carried over into Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um yeah so he became my number eight nice good choice excellent my number eight i think is is i know is higher on ray's list and i might be higher on some of yours list and it's kind of a a dual cast character and it would be the incredible hulk with bill bixby at lou frigno very much higher there you go dave number eight so my number eight again dabbling into current uh product and things that we've just recently reviewed is Paul Bettany as the Vision in WandaVision. So, uh, Heavy on Disney Plus, Paul man. Bettany. Oh, it, it gets even Paul worse. <laughs> it, gets, it, <laughs> gets, it gets even worse. Um, you know, because... I mean, I, I love Paul Bettany's portrayal of the Vision because he's... as And it's it's another one of those portrayals where as the story goes along, the, the characterization and the acting gets better and the portrayal gets better. Especially with Vision as he comes to wrestle with the whole notion that not everything is as it appears and 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 his own personal journey towards realizing that he's not all that it appears and and then at the end where he realizes that he's got to go to wherever he's going to go um so that Wanda you know can can move on with her life and get to the next phase and that sort of thing and and I just loved what he did I and the vision character is always more complex than what we got in in the movies you know and they kind of scratch the surface so i love that this series was able to flesh out the vision character a little bit more 
And I thought Paul did a really, really good job with that character as bringing vision to life as well as you could. So I, I've got him at number eight for me. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Paul Bettany is a hell of an actor, and it, and it doesn't even really matter the role. I remember him in a really crappy movie. I think it was called Title Titled Legion, where he's an angel sent down to protect somebody who's some pregnant woman who's got like the Antichrist or the next like savior or something like. That. I don't remember what it was, um, but always, always, just always is a thousand percent into whatever role that he's taking. Uh, Ray's number eight. We will move forward from because. Just like PC Tunney, he ranked the Hulk slash David Banner. So we will move on to his number seven. His number seven is Batman, but it's the Adam West Batman from that the is definitely higher. Show. Definitely higher. higher on other lists. Did not very much very high. high. Might be so higher Dave, than you can get. Dave, make your number seven, sir. So with my number seven, funny enough, I'm going right back to WandaVision and giving it to Elizabeth Olsen. And her portrayal here. Uh, you're not the only one that would like to give it to Elizabeth. Uh, oh, man. This is a family rated show. Anyway, uh, I thought I know as we uh, went along and watched WandaVision. We <laughs> Sorry. As we watched WandaVision, I know a lot of us made comments as to Elizabeth Olsen's performance as as Wanda Maximoff and, and stuff that she her progression, her journey is i mean it, she did fantastic you could ma- arguably make the state that this should be higher uh because she went through the whole progression of being in denial uh the few moments of lucidity that come through where she's confronted with reality and how she reacts to that her slipping in and out of her fantasy land and then dealing with reality and then the stuff at the end where she has to confront everything that's happening uh, she did a, a tremendous job as far as just bringing all that together and, and and making it so that you were looking at it from the standpoint of which storyline are they telling? Are they telling House of M? Are they telling Disassembled? Are they telling something completely different? She was able to capture all of those various elements into one series where you never really got an idea as to what was going on. And and even at the end, you know, and, and she she portrays crazy really well. She portrays intelligence very well. She just did a tremendous job with that series of just throwing everything out there and, and and bringing the Scarlet Witch to life. And and it's another character that, I mean, she was touched on a lot more in the movies, sure, than Vision was, um, especially the scene in Infinity War where she has to kill the person she loves the most. So she didn't need to be as well-developed as I thought Vision did, but she still you got some real depth to her character. She's obviously going to be very important and integral moving forward in the MCU. And this was a great launching pad. And I feel, you know, Marvel doesn't make bad casting decisions. We've said that a thousand times. Here's another great example of it. So I thought she did a tremendous job with WandaVision. So she gets number seven for me. Couldn't agree. I mean, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing these, these streaming characters from, you know, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier are in these upcoming movies that we're going to get, right? I mean, we're pretty much guaranteed, you know, each of them continuing forward cinematically. So looking forward to that. Uh, and my number seven, my number seven is Joy Van Wade, who played Cyborg on Doom Patrol. And, you know, until Zack Snyder came out and 
was allowed to tell the whole story of Cyborg. And I think even afterwards, I think this is my favorite portrayal of Cyborg in this incredible series. Uh, Diane Guerrero plays Crazy Jane or Jane in this series as well. She made my honorable mention at number 15. The the cast in this show is amazing. It's almost like this, this pick in the top 10 for me is just a dedication to all these people playing this great series of superheroes. And if you haven't seen this, I suggest you do. It's it's so freaking good and different. April, April Bowlby, uh, Alan Tudyk, Brendan Fraser, Timothy Dalton is in this playing the chief, uh, you know, the head of all these misfit characters. So I just wanted to shout out to, to Mr. Wade and his portrayal of Vic Stone and, 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 you know, showing a little bit different side of cyborg that we hadn't seen, uh, recently. So doom patrol couldn't say any more better things about it. I promise it's on my to-do list, honey. It really is. It's on I, mine, too. I, it's, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's now when Brendan, I started. Brendan Fraser should be on this list, too, for me, as as Cliff Steele. He's like, you know, there's there's so many good kids. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Timothy, I'll stop. You said You'll, Timothy we'll Dalton, Tony. Timothy Dalton. That's all you got to say. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. You guys will get there, and I'll be more than happy to watch, you know, the first two seasons over, and maybe we do season three or something. But it's it's very good. You won't be disappointed. Much like a much like a, much like a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. It makes a great gift. I guarantee it. There you go. Nicely done. So my number seven uh, is a character from a show we've revered, reviewed here on Bandwagon Nerds uh, as part of our weekly reviews, and that is William Butcher. Oh no! I thought you were going to pick somebody else. Yeah, great. Love as portrayed as portrayed by Carl Urban on The Boys, the I don't give a fuck tortured alcoholic. My wife was murdered, but is it really murdered? Character made an honorable mention amongst Tony's list. Fourteen. He he is my like. He's my favorite part of the show. He really is, uh, and just. He, he's just he, he he's he's damaged he's he's awesome he's angry he he's compassionate though and it's just so he's so great in in that character and in that role and he really brings life to that show and not that it wouldn't be great without him but Carl Urban tore it up and yeah, he's 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 William Butcher, my num- my number seven. See, and I, and I love the pick, but here's why he didn't make my list. I really struggled characterizing him as a hero because <laughs> he is he's an he, anti-hero. He is an totally anti-hero. He is, and he does some stuff that's not very heroic for sure. But I, I love the pick, Pat, because I thought really I was like, and I actually like Starlight jumped in my head a little bit when I was doing the list, thinking. Is Annie strong enough of a hero to get in the list? Ah, uh, maybe not. But I love the Billy Butcher pick. That's uh, th- that's right up there. He's he's a different kind of hero, like you said, anti-hero all the way. Yeah, I had him at fourteen. I wish we had AJ Belaz accessible at the moment. He he knows the mon- uh, the dialogue from the uh, Spice Girls uh, pump up speech, so nice. he does that. He does that very well with a solid accent. So yeah, fourteen, and and it was like down to the last cut to making the top 10 as well. So just a shout out to that series in general. I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a heck of a heck of a series. My number six heading into heading into the turn is another modern series. It's one that again, I've, uh, I've mentioned on this show more than once and that is sister night. 
as portrayed by Regina King from HBO series The Watchmen, which is the Uh oh. Pat you froze there for a second. I think it's also on uh Ray's list. If uh, if we can it? if I remember seeing Ray's list there. But uh we're gonna have to ad lib until Pat gets back, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Let me uh let me go back up here. Is it on Ray's list? It, it's I'm trying to I mean, I want Pat to talk about it because wait, there he is back sort of. Are you back? Yeah. Like you. Yeah, I think so. You froze then, or I froze and then unfroze and then refroze. I don't know what happened to my internet there. I love technology. It's so great. It's the best part of podcasting. So I was out for a little bit. I barely got into this when I noticed that, that you were froze out, but I was talking about uh, Regina King's portrayal of sister Knight from Watchmen, which was a f- loose follow up to the original, comic book a la sort of the movie and she played like she plays this character sister knight who works with uh, the police force she is the one who is really kind of caught up in the middle of everything that's swirling around with people lashing back against superheroes in this universe within the context of you know racism um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of the the tension between police and and people of color that goes throughout this show, though done with the allegory of uh, of superheroes. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. She deserves an Emmy for it. Um, she won't get it, but uh, love it. Love her role. Love her portrayal. And was pleasantly surprised by the show in general. And and her performance really carries that. So, I don't know if you commented anything on it before I got to that, but that was that was my number six. No, we were just checking to see if Ray had it on his list or not. And uh, yeah, I I heard heard great things about the series. Obviously, she is a very, very uh, talented actress and, and, you know, great mind for these kind of things. So it's something that's on my to-do list as you guys speak of. Excellent. So, Tony, to you for your number six, sir. My number six is Linda Carter. And it figures that might be higher on Dave's list. So Dave, that's, you're number that's, six. That's, that's Dave's wet dream. What are you doing there? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> well, I had to go through the motions. That's um, what she said. So my number six, I just wanted to say, I didn't have him on my list, but as soon as uh, Patrick mentioned Billy Butcher, Henry Cavill as Geralt Arivia jumped into my head. Oh, that's God, on, that's on you, Tony's list. Okay, You cool. and Henry Cavill. Good. He's my higher man. Higher on my list. Okay. Well, good. Then I feel better that he's Speaking not on my list. for David Ungar, Henry Cow, baby. Uh, no. So my number six is the last of my modern stuff, and it's uh, Anthony Mackie as the Falcon slash Captain America from the show we just got done. Uh, talk about another guy. And, and all these are, are just um, portrayals of guys who evolved as the series went along, especially him, where he's coming to grips with the whole notion of, of not just what it means to be Captain America, but what it means to be a black Captain America in this world. And and his beginnings of the whole thing where I'm not worthy to step into Steve Rogers, you know, to take the shield to at the end where it's like, I have to step into this role and save everybody from themselves and get this away from John Walker and, and try and save the world. And, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about the speech that he does in the final episode where where I had some issues about it, and then the more I watch it back, the more comfortable I am with it. I just thought his his journey, his portrayal of you know what he does so well is that by the end of it, where he is Captain America, you no longer look at him as Falcon anymore. I look at him now, 
that's Captain America, to pull that off in six episodes like he did is a phenomenal testament to just how strong a performance Anthony did in this show. Um, maybe a little bit underrated by a lot of standards, but I love what he did in, in, the, in the series. He is Captain America now for me. And, and, and to make everybody almost universally accept him, given the state of the world and everything that's going on, that's a tremendous testament to his performance. So I feel good about him as number six. That's a solid number six. Uh, again, the, the ladies and gentlemen, the David Ungar top six or top five superheroes <laughs> from Disney Plus brought to you here today on the bandwagon. No, it's it's yeah, he, he did a great job. I, I again, I would have I had Sebastian Stan as the as the higher of the two, but both of them did a did a terrific, terrific job there. Ray's number six before we go into commercial break was uh, Daredevil as per- per- portrayed by Charlie Cox. Um I, I, um, I don't know. Like I liked, I liked Daredevil a lot. Um, I, I think that he was at his best when he was working off of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Uh, and of course, then there's that, and there's the big hallway fight scene in the first season that everybody loves. Cause it's just, it's one of the best choreographed fight scenes that we've seen in a long time. Um, but of the characters, that that made the the Netflix Marvel series. He's the one that's got the most buzz about coming back, uh, as, as reportedly as early as Spider Man. So we may see Charlie Cox back under the red glasses sooner rather than later. All right, so that's our ten through six. When we come back, we will bring we will break down our five to number one. Plus, Patrick O'Dowd has a question. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Before we go to the recorded commercials, of course, it is my job to remind you to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and pick up a Chairshot.com shirt. Whether that is an OG ChairShot logo, whether it's any number of the great designs we have from our various podcasts, including this one, including a winner is you, whether it's one of our catchphrases like hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling, or everyone hates Craig, there's all kinds of great stuff out there, and it helps keep us going week in and week out every day. We are giving you three to four podcasts a day everyone and we can't keep that going unless we have support from our listeners and the best way you can support us is by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And that hot garbage was brought to you by Patrick O'Dowd. It is inability to manage commercials. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. I apologize, everyone. I'm having a day. But we are back. We are ready to bring the back end of the hero uh, project for television here uh, for television hero category. We've got raise number five, which I have a sneaking suspicion might be higher. Maybe not uh, on another person's list. And that's The Flash, Grant Gustin, higher on Tony's list, as I guessed. That turns it over to Dave. Dave, you're number five, sir. All right. So we're out of the modern era, and now we are moving back in time. And Old school. Old school, baby. Uh, number five is Adam West as Batman, which I'm guessing, my, yep, I thought so. And that was based on Tony's gesturing earlier in the show, not because he's on my list, because highly enough, he's not. Tony, you're number five. My number five is Tom Welling in Smallville. I think that's on Ray's list. Um, higher on Ray's list by one. And he's not going to comment on it, so if you just want to talk about it, I think that works. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Superman. It's Clark Kent growing up. It's him in high school. Um the, the crush is Lana Lang, not Lois Lane. It's the girl next door. You know, he's still into reporting for the school newspaper. You, Michael Rosenbaum plays one of the best, best Lex Luthers ever bar movie, uh, TV streaming, whatever, in my opinion. So if you haven't seen the series, it's, it's a little soap opera ish, but I enjoyed it. Um, honestly, I, it, it was out when I was in college and rooming with three other guys in a duplex. And the, our neighbors were four girls. So we would all get together and watch this show every week. So it, uh, it, it was a fun time. And I thought he did a great job as Superman, his parents as well in the series. Um, trying to remember who played them. Uh, I'm sorry, John Schneider. 
Um, and then uh, who plays his mom? Oh, Annette O'Toole. So very uh, well done series if you've never seen it before. Which was the Alana Lang in the Superman movie, uh, Superman 3, right? Yes. Yes. We're trying to forget that one existed. No, that one's not. That was not so bad. Hey, it's not Richard Pryor's fault that that, show, that movie was bad. No, it's not. Uh, the guy who it, it, the villain was the dude from the Marquis Salamone commercials uh, out here in Massachusetts. That's what I remember. One eight hundred one one. It is a great concept that rounding up shit that they do with acorns. Now you know, just send it to my account. So you know, it's it's funny because that movie also, as we do this tangent, one of my favorite gags in Office Space because that's the computer virus that they mess up. Because it was supposed to be running the the decimal points, and he was actually running actual running actual dollars. Exactly what I was thinking about, Patrick, and it kind of reminds me of um, Elon Musk hosted Saturday Night Live last night. And while yeah, there were skits that weren't great, there were some things that were absolutely freaking hilarious. He came on uh, Weekend Update as the Doge Daddy and tried to explain what Dogecoin was, and uh, you know they basically figured out that it's a scam. So there you go. Very much so. Okay. So that brings it to my number five, which we still haven't heard from a couple of other people on this panel. So I know it's higher on their list, but my number five was David Banner slash the Hulk from the incredible Hulk. I'm just going to move forward to my number four, which was Logan slash Wolverine as voiced by Cal Dodd from X-Men, the animated series. Now, he was number 10 on Ray's list. And you have heard me. I have talked on this program when we did the the Saturday morning cartoon project. The X-Men, the animated series, made my list. And Cal Dodd brought this gravelly voiced Canadian accented character to Wolverine that... I can't read a comic and not hear his voice when I read Wolverine in comic books. Like that's how ingrained that character really became. And he was just, he was exactly what I expected to hear from Wolverine. And I like that series was really, really good. I watched it every morning. I love that it's on Disney, Disney plus now and I can watch it on Disney plus anytime I want because, you know, it was really steeped in the Chris Claremont storylines and all that. And Wolverine is a big, like he's, he's a focal point because he was such a popular character and Cal Dodd really brought that to life and, and made that and made that what it was. So that's my number four. Good choice. My number four. You're my number four number is once again, Superman. And this time it's Dean Kane. I ah, remember the Wilson Clark. Yes, yes. And Terry Hatcher playing Lois, um, Lane Smith playing Perry White. You had Kate Callan and Eddie Jones playing his parents, John Shea, Lex Luthor. It was it was just a I don't know, it, it kind of it started Superman over again after the movies, right? And brought it back to TV like we hadn't seen in how many ever years. So I enjoyed it. I thought Dean Cain did a good job, and obviously Terry Hatcher was very nice to look at. So it was a uh, it was an interesting take. It was a little bit more about obviously Lois and Clark than Superman in general. That show stayed on the air way longer than I ever thought it would. Well, they got four was, seasons out of it, right? I thought it would make a season and a half. I really did because yeah. it was like they were trying to do because. Was it the original premise? Very much a very like will they, won't they 
get together thing before they eventually do get together in the show, or am I misremembering that? That's pretty close to the first season issue. Right. So, like, once they get together, that's always kind of the big thing. It's like you look at moonlighting, right? When they finally get together in moonlighting, all the magic goes away. That's that's always the big challenge with those kinds of shows. But credit to Dean Cain, and he was surprisingly solid. He was I, I he was a great Clark Kent, and was it like you know kind of the opposite of George Reeves, like. George Reeves is a better Superman than Clark Kent. I think Dean Cain was a better Clark Kent than he was a Superman. Not that he was a bad Superman by any stretch, but he definitely fit the Clark role very, very well. Good choice, there we man. Go. Yeah, that's great. Four, Dave. So my number four is a little bit higher on Ray's list, and it's somebody who Patrick O'Dowd just, it, it, quoting Patrick <laughs> O'Dowd, fuck Rick Grimes, because my number four is Andrew Lincoln's portrayal of Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. He's number three on Ray's list. I, I, I so and here's the, here's the thing we've already covered Ray's number four. His number three is Rick Grimes. So let's we're right into your number. Four. We'll, we'll talk about Rick Grimes and then you can just go into your number three. Yeah, I mean I, <laughs> and and I don't know. I mean I I'm not sure. I'm sure Patrick is going to explain why he dislikes Rick Grimes so much. But this guy was the backbone for what eight and a half seasons of The Walking Dead. He was the hero. He was the protagonist. He was. The guy who kept everything together. And and I thought I thought Andrew Lincoln's job I mean, for so many years before I actually heard him talk, I never would have known he was Australian until he actually spoke and you're like, Oh my God. But I thought his portrayal of, of Rick as 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 fairly close to the comics as you can get. I didn't like the fact that he never lost his hand. I get why he never lost his hand. It added, you know, that would have been a little bit difficult to pull off in the TV show. But I thought he he did he portrayed Rick Grimes really well as far as Rick's just trying to push this community forward, making mistakes along the way, being arrogant to the point that Negan capitalizes at that one season where Glenn and Abraham die and that sort of thing. But I, 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 I mean, you know, I just, I love Rick and what he, what he did. I didn't agree with everything he did. That's for sure. But I thought Andrew Lincoln's portrayal of Rick Grimes was as close as you're going to get to the comics with what they were allowing him to do. So I'd like to hear from you as to why you dislike him. I dislike him because of the way that he was forced to be portrayed by because of the script and because you're trying to keep an episodic television show going and the number of times, and this is my ultimate problem with the walking dead in general. Like I, I think in the chat, I was like Carol for the win, but every single character in the walking get dead protagonist has to make just some of the most absolute asinine and stupid decisions in order for the show to keep going forward in the way that it does. You've been critical and, of Carol about that numerous times. Right. And Rick is, is just as bad. Um, and it's not Andrew Lincoln's fault. And it's not even necessarily, I mean, it's the character's fault in the city, but it just made it hard for me to like, like as a, as somebody watching the show and being like, this is the right answer. Everyone knows this is the right answer. But because we need to have a story, we're going to make the absolute worst answer. Like, we're going to take the worst decision. And I get it. That's part of television. It's the same thing when you watch a horror movie, right? Like, a horror movie, you know the right answer. You know what you're not supposed to do. I mean, one of my favorite Geico commercials ever is the teenagers running away, and they're like, where should we go? I think we should hide behind the tool shed with all the sharp knives. And then this, you know, the woman's like, I think we should just take the car, that, or the running car. And they look at her like, no, why would we do that? 
it's the same thing. And so I I don't hate Rick um, so much as I hate the way that they've had to the way that they have to portray all of those characters to kind of keep their story going. And, and it's funny because I still watch Walking Dead, like even pandemic season, which is really kind of weird. Um, I still watched it. I still stayed up with it. So I, I'm sorry. Like, but yeah, of, of the characters, Carol, Carol slash Daryl, who wasn't even in this, who isn't even in the comic. Um, those are, those are the two. That, that always did it for me. Yeah, it's it's a and I'm curious. I, I'm hoping that we get the Rick movies. I want to see what they do with that. I'm I'm into season nine now. Finally, I, I got to that point. So I'm at Rick's final episodes. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they do with that. But yeah, it's it's one of those shows, especially for personally, because that's my me and my wife. When we first got together, we bonded over that show. That was one of the shows that we watched every season up to the point that the tiger got killed and, and, you know, she said, I'm out of here. I'm out. But anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, my number three is we've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. So I guess it's time to talk about it. It's the combination of Bill Bixby as David Bruce Banner and Lou Ferrigno as the incredible Hulk, which we mentioned yesterday, Pat, we can't really separate the two. The two performances are so intertwined with each other. It is the yin and the yang. And, and I mean, these guys, did such a masterful job for what they had to work with in the late seventies, early eighties with the technology that they had and just the dichotomy of, of what Bill Bixby did with David Bruce Banner and what Lou Ferrigno did with the incredible Hulk was nothing short of magic. And they did that for what, a few years, several spinoff movies. I absolutely loved the show. Thought it was probably one of the, if not the greatest TV superhero based TV show of all time. Um, I'll yield to you guys. Cause I know they're on everybody's list as to your thoughts about it. But yeah, I thought Bill Bixby was magnificent and Lou as well as you could. I mean, you compare Lou Ferrigno's incredible Hulk to like modern Mark Ruffalo's incredible Hulk and they're, you know, okay. <laughs> the modern standards. Okay. That looks like the incredible Hulk again, doing with what they could do at the time for a long time that was the hulk lou ferrigno's portrayal of him but i i turned it over to you guys for your thoughts yeah i had it i had it number eight um it's it's a cool one to have on your list because you don't just have one person playing the character right and and like you said the way they shot ferrigno and and the green tone they got on him and the hair they gave him and the way they ripped the clothes up but you know, Lou made a career out of it, and Lou was Lou had his challenges as well that he had to get over, and he did, and he and he accomplished them and became successful. He went on to have a great um, accompanying role on King of Queens as an actor. That's pretty well known. But yeah, I mean, when you think of great TV series with superheroes on them, The Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno comes to mind almost instantaneously. Right, synonymous with The Incredible Hulk. Is is Ferrigno, like we we in pro wrestling we always when we talk about characters there's always like larger than life characters larger than life figures. Lou Ferrigno was larger than life as the Hulk. Like when that change happened and he was like, who cared that who cared that the wig was bad, or that the contact lenses you know were were a little different or a little off. He it was exactly what I pictured a real Hulk would look like, and he would throw the cards. And then you juxtapose that with this gentle, calm portrayal by Bill Bixby of 
David Bruce Banner because we were scared of the name Bruce for whatever reason. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was perfect. It was very well done. And, you know, it's just even the show itself, like some of the, like there's so many homages that have come from that show. Probably one of the most famous ones is Family Guy. Uh, Family Guy once did a tribute to the end credits music, the walking music with uh, Stewie walking along like a deserted highway playing the 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 wanderer music that used to always play at the end of every episode of the incredible hulk which is great great stuff and i remember like when bill bixby passed away like that was that was that was what people talked about in regards to him was his portrayal as as david banner so yeah it, it clearly was important to all four of us as we all had him on the list and yeah i can't can't argue where he was he was throughout so clearly one of our favorites across the band and, and you made the mention of the contacts but i mean when when the change took place when bill's eyes lit up and the contacts were in there and you knew the change was coming it really amped up everything at that moment you're like oh shit here we go um so yeah I mean, it's, it's getting real yeah it's getting shit's getting real here my number three is not another portrayal of superman by the way three of them made it into my top 10 but my number three is someone who's known for portraying Superman. It is none other than the Witcher and the great job that Henry Cavill does playing Geralt of Rivia. And the anticipation I have for season, what do we got? Three coming up here? Two. 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 I'm sorry. I've got that confused with Lock and Key. Lock and Key, we're waiting on three, right? Two. Two. Good, good God. <laughs> Where gonna... are these series? I want them. Dale Academy's it. three and the boys. Uh, I got to catch up on them. Okay, the boys. Umbrella Academy, I got to get on uh, like you guys got to do Doom Patrol. But, I, I mean, this series, when we when we jumped onto this, you, we were all just enthralled with it, right? Like, the casting, the story, the portrayal. Um, I, I would love, who plays his squire? Who's the squire, the singing squire or whatever? Do you remember him? Yes, the bard. He, he is one of that. the... One of the better, better freaking characters in this. Uh, the female lead is awesome as well. It's been so long. Obviously, I can't remember whether it was one or two seasons. But Dave, you added on the list. I mean, Henry I, Cavill does a great job. You you know, you think about the video game too, not just the story. And he, he does. He's A1. It's perfect. I should have had him on my list. And I didn't think about it till Pat mentioned B- Billy Butcher. And the reason I didn't have it is because, in my opinion, that Geralt's Sort of like Butcher, not exactly heroic per se, anti-hero-ish in some way. Probably a little bit more heroic than Butcher is. But um, yeah, I, I mean, to take, you know, we talked about when we did the re- nerd review for Mortal Kombat and, and the difficulty of translating a video game into anything on screen that's worth a shit. And 95% of the time they fail. The Witcher's the one time they actually got it right and hit an Big absolute time. home run. So you've got to they, give them credit for that, that they took And I mean, the Witcher storyline from the, from the games is loosely in the, in the show. And I think season two is going to introduce more of that element to it and expand that world a bit. But yeah, I mean, Henry Cavill's performance because so many people were down on him because of man of steel and justice league. And it's just like the guy can't act. And then you watch what he does here and you're like, Oh shit, he actually can act and he can act really well. And well, he and makes about, the biggest no, mission impossible. The biggest well, yeah. thing to support your theory is you don't think about Superman at all right. while he's playing Witcher, right? You don't see you know? Superman. Right. You don't see him no. at all in, the, in I mean, that performance. 
Whenever you see Henry Winkler, you think of the Fonz, no matter what. But that doesn't the, he doesn't have the either, suffer from the Fonz. Either that, or, either that, or Coach Klein, one or the other. Coach Klein. <laughs> well, let's let's even take it a step back. We just talked about Lou Ferrigno. Like Lou Ferrigno, you think Hulk first. Like you just do. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, Henry Cavill and the Witcher just wasn't like. Partially just didn't even come to my brain, which I think is what makes doing this list so great. Is that there's so much out there that you can choose from. Uh, the the guy's name was Justin Beatty, I do believe was the, uh, the the Bard's name. He was only in like half the episodes, which I think was was interesting because he's there early and then he disappears for a little bit and comes back. Uh, word of my number three, right? Is that where we are? My number three is from. The HBO animated series Todd McFarlane's Spawn, and that is Spawn, as portrayed by Keith David, one of the great voices ever. That deep, rich, menacing voice. Most people remember Keith David from his role in They Live and his 10-minute fight with Roddy Piper. I love him in this characterization of Spawn. And... He, you know, that show only lasted three seasons. It was six episodes a season, but they were great. And for me, his his portrayal of Spawn again, just just like what I was talking about with Cal Dodd and Logan, I can't extract the character. When I read the character, I hear Keith David's voice, and it's his deep, menacing, angry, vengeful voice acting of Spawn. And, and then that character and it's so so great and you know that series is probably what got me into more adult animation like anime and and harder stuff like that it's it's what it's what invincible is now or was they are what invincible is now in terms of just not they didn't shy away from the violence of it all they didn't shy away from the characters the sex the whole thing it's all there and keith david you know he carries that show all 18 episodes he was easily my favorite. My number two. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Did no, you no, saw I, I just it's it's like until you mentioned it, I didn't realize that show was a thing. So I've never seen it. I need to go check that out. Yep. HBO oh, Max. All all three seasons are on HBO Max. My number two uh, is another Joss Whedon character. Uh, it's Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, and. If all anybody ever knows about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the the movie with Christy Swanson, it's it's unfair to the character in the story. And again, Joss Whedon is a dick and is not a good person, but he made a really good television show. And Buffy was such a terrific character, Sarah Michelle Gellar in that role. To watch her grow from season one through season seven where they finish to where she is kind of a a little bit of a high school head in the cloud sort of character that doesn't want to be a slayer to, you know, to where she is at the end where she's sacrificing her power and giving it to all the potential slayers in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe so that they could all fight the forces of evil around Hellmouth is amazing. It's fantastic. Um, her character dies and comes back and they talk about like, they, they have an episode where she talks about, she felt like her, 
she felt like she had done her job and was ripped back and then wrestling with that and wrestling with taking care of her sister when her mother dies. It's Sarah Michelle Gellar is a hell of an actor and doesn't, I, you know, I think a lot of people kind of dismiss her, but her role is Buffy. She was amazing. And, and is my number two. I, I like the pick. I have a good friend who's in love with this series and Sarah Michelle Gellar since forever. Um, another great, uh, character portrayal and, and good job casting is Mark, Mark Metcalf as the master in, in that show is excellent. Right. As well. Very first season. Yeah. Uh, he's Milwaukee ties from him. And I've trust me, I'm still efforting him. Uh, we get him on and talk to him about some of the great things he's done in his career as well. There's some people that I know that know him. So best believe I'll be working on that. Yeah. I, I love the pick Pat. Uh, it's a show that I have not watched as much of as I probably should. Uh, but it's something I want. I, it, I'd love to go there, back and check it out because I know it's better than I've probably preconceived it to be. Well, and it's it's funny. One once it got it's the first season, it struggled because it was kind of hokey. You know, it was very you know it was like a WB series, um, and you know as they kind of found their special effects and everything. But there's a their fourth season. There's an episode called Hush, which is widely regarded. It was nominated for Emmys. Widely regarded as one of the best show episodes of the series if not the best where these demons um steal everybody's ability to talk and everybody is communicating through various levels of sign language and pantomiming and buffy has to stop them from taking the hearts of seven people uh in order to get everybody's voice back and it's it's a terrific, terrific show. It's very, very well done. Great episode. I could speak forever on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I so. know there's an episode that's a musical. And I know I've that's seen that one. one. Well, and that's the one where that's the one where she reveals because she dies at the end of season five. At the end of that episode, she reveals to all of them that they plucked her out of heaven, that they assumed she went and was living a life of torment. And because they were selfish and took her back, um, she is now wrestling with what she thought was her fulfillment so i yeah yeah i could talk about this all day so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop and let let tony get to his number two um because i don't want to bore you on buffy the vampire slayer my number two is grant Gustin as the flash he's not number one um i want to shout out to a couple people on the cw series uh daniel panabaker as caitlin snow slash killer frost is phenomenal and Tom Cavanaugh as Harrison Wells is excellent and uh, Carlos Valdez Cisco Ramon as well but it's just a great series and he does a great job because if you think about the flash and here's my favorite part why he's so high on my list and maybe why I like this so much is the flash is the paragon of love and this series shows that off more than anything else of what he is supposed to be as the flash in doing what is right, no matter what the odds are. Like there was a recent episode this season where they had to, uh, the speed force, they had to make it artificially because he had lost it, you know, for a second. And it turned him into a robot where he just did the best probabilities because it was a computer combined with speed force capabilities. And he forgot about being the paragon of love and thinking about he'd do anything, no matter what the odds were to save the people that he loved. And that's what really comes across in this show. And I just enjoy the effects and everything else, the, the fights and the battles and all the different villains in this show. It's, it's really brought me back to caring about superheroes and the time that I've watched this and the casting and 
you know, the, all the villains, like I said, and then bringing in new characters along the way. But Grant Gustin, just great job as the Flash. Kind of ruined the Flash for me in all other aspects. But at the same time, I still enjoy the character nonstop. He was listed at number five on Ray's list as well. So not alone on that. It's a show that I've started a couple of times with a little O'Dowd because the Flash is a character that he really likes uh, and enjoys watching, though he's kind of moved on. He's moved away from superheroes as of late, so it's been a little bit harder to to settle in and watch stuff. But I've heard nothing but good stuff. I mean, I gotta let him have his own pursuits, you know? He hates Zack Snyder movies, so I feel like I've succeeded uh, on some level. (laughs) My boy! So, I I have not watched enough of the Flash series, but everything that Tunney says about this series, and I've heard him say it many times, and including right here, is that this series is more true to the Flash of the comics than anything that we've gotten, except I think Ezra Miller's performance in the Snyder Cut was more Flash-like, moving in move the needle in that direction. Would you agree with that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, early on, it's it's a little bit different take as well. I mean, I guess we haven't really fleshed that whole character out, you know? I mean, they did, that didn't get the love that Cyborg did kind of with the backstory. I know it's got its own movie coming out, so we might see more of that, you know, Iris and Joe West and things of that nature. So cool. more Central City absorbed. There you go. I'm in. So- I just want to say here real quick, can I, before, who's next? Dave, you're going to your number two? Before we get to your number two and then back around to our number ones, Stephen Amell, I wanted to shout out as Arrow, is phenomenal. Well, number two on that was, that was, uh, That's number two on Ray's list. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll get to that. And then um, uh, Melissa Benoist as, 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 Karen, uh, as Carrot Danvers, uh, Supergirl, has been fucking phenomenal on CW as well. Kudos to CW. Sorry. Just had to throw that out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, to be honest, I wish I'd watch more because I know there are people on Titans who probably warrant some consideration on this list, but I haven't seen. And I just didn't want to do that. Put people on here that I've only seen tangentially and and especially like because my number two, you know, going along those lines, my number two is Wonder Woman. It's Linda Carter. She's my number two, uh, you know, and with all due respect to Gal Gadot, who is highly likely to make an appearance next week on my on my list. Uh, Linda Carter is Wonder Woman and, and has been Wonder Woman and and was so iconic as Wonder Woman that it likely prevented a Wonder Woman movie from being made for decades, at least two decades, because they were like, who do we put into this role who can kind of match Linda Carter's charisma, her portrayal of this of this iconic one of the big three of the DC universe. And I think that people just didn't feel up to a certain point. We can't get anybody to match Linda until Patty Jenkins says, I don't want to match Linda. I need to do something that's different from Linda. So here's Gal. And Gal did such a great job that you get the Linda Carter cameo in Wonder Woman. Was it Wonder Woman 1984? You got the Linda Carter cameo. But for ever, Linda Carter was Wonder Woman and, and, and had done such a tremendous performance as her that it was generally considered, um, you couldn't replace it. You couldn't replicate it. So why bother trying? That's the kind of performance that it's like, wow, how do you really, <laughs> how do you really top that? And, and I mean, yeah, she was, she was magnificent as wonder woman and, and the series was phenomenal. And I just, 
I can't say enough about her. So yeah, what dream notwithstanding. <laughs> she's she's number two. <laughs> she's number two on my list because it is Wonder just Woman. exactly. I mean, the song, the magic lasso, the performance, the just I, I and like I said, I don't mean to harp on it. She knocked it out of the park so far that I think everybody was scared to even try for a very long time. So I give Patty Jenkins a lot of credit and DC a lot of credit for finally taking that risk and going down and doing something different because Gal's not the biggest girl in the world. That's for damn sure. Well, dude, it'd been like, what, 50 years? 40 years? 40 years, yeah. 40 years. I think it was going to be okay. I'll think like... It's big shoes, but ain't that big of shoes. So where are we on this list now? Drake, Patrick Sodown's lost. Are we to raise, raise number, number two? two? Raise so number raise two. number two with Stephen Amell uh, and his portrayal of Green Arrow. I'm going to save uh, raise number one because his number one and my number one are the same. So that I'll turn it over to you, Dave, and your number one. So my number one, as I indicated, was after Patrick had indicated his choice for Last American Hero, it jumped into my head who had to be my greatest American greatest hero. American hero. It, it jumped into my head who my number one had to be. This is the character that probably influenced me and turned me into a nerd more than anybody else when I was a kid. This was the show that I went. This was the big show for me. It is Lee Majors as a $6 million man. That's my number one. You know, I almost put Lee on there and, and almost went with the $6 million man because that... I mean, oh, God. I mean, the introduction of that. I mean, remember the introduction? Steve Austin, a man. We can rebuild them. I mean, have the technology. that is so iconic. And I mean, I heard that so many times. And, and just and, and from a wrestling standpoint, there is a tie to the pro wrestling because of the episodes with Bigfoot, who was played by Andre the Giant. So you've got that. Yep. And shout out to Lindsay Wagner's The Bionic Woman, who did fine in that role. Not nearly as iconic as Lee's performance. But the Bionic Woman stories were certainly not as engrossing as I thought the $6 million man was. I mean, there's some with the, the Bigfoot stories, the one with the droid or the probe from Mars that crashes back to Earth and all the problems he has with that. And I just, I mean, this show was the biggest influence to me as a kid. And Lee Majors was, he was this shit, man. I mean, before Stone Cold Steve but Austin existed, it was Colonel Steve Austin. Can, can I just tell you, again, we talk about where... You know a show has an impact and an influence when it shows up in other television shows. Now, I've, I've talked about on here one of my favorite sitcoms of all time is is the series Scrubs, which um, the lawyer, Ted, has a group of people. It's just shove it up your ass, Tony. I don't care that you like you hate Scrubs. I don't get it. It's a great show. But um, the, the lawyer, Ted leads a an acapella band called the Worthless Peons. And their whole music catalog at one point in the show is theme songs from other television shows. And one of the ones that they do is the theme song to the $6 million man. So Ted is doing the whole, we can rebuild him, we have the technology, and they're to and the rest of the band is acapelling the the music behind him. And when they get to the shinna part, he like turns and looks at one of the guys and he's like, Your shinnas should be louder. And he just like like he totally like no sells their ability. It's hilarious. And that's the thing is that the show has that influence um that it carries over in other things. It's like what you see out of the family guy and and 
and the Incredible Hulk. So and there's been yeah, rumors of the movie them making this into a movie. Of course, six million dollars probably taking inflation into consideration. Six billion dollar man would be more appropriate. Sure. But I, I would love to see them do that into a movie because even by modern, I mean, 2021 standards, we still don't have bionics anywhere close to what they portrayed from 73 to 78. So give me the movie. I'm ready. Excellent. Wonderful choice. Very old school. Tony, <laughs> you're number one, sir. My number one, when you think of television and superheroes, you think of Adam West as Batman, and you can't really argue that whatsoever. It was hokey. It was fun. There were the names of the names coming in to play the villains on that show. Adam West, he, man, I, I, if, I think if you put him to a lie detector test at some point during that run, he would have passed saying, I'm Batman. He, he believed he was Batman, right? And there is so much behind the scenes from this show. And, you know, I, when I think about it, I think about Thwap and, and uh, you know, bam and boof and everything else and the way they cast it. So shout out to Adam West. I mean, I, I loved him on family guy as well. And, uh, right. you know, he just continued to be Batman. He continued to hold that mantle and go to whatever he could go to. You know, he was not afraid to let you know that he would still go somewhere and be Batman for you. He really set a stage for a lot of other people's portrayals of Batman in the sense that for the longest time, that portrayal of Bruce Wayne slash Batman was always one of kind of an even keel sort of like he didn't get flapped like or, or frustrated or raise his voice. And, you know, and, and Adam West, like he was just always very matter of fact, you know, this is what's going to happen, Robin and blah, 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 blah. And he was always like he never really was alarmed. And you saw that didn't carry like I, I remember Michael Keaton, like he he was channeling his own work as batman but i think that he took a lot from adam west as that sort of calm demeanor soft voiced character you know it wasn't until christian bale decided to put gravel in his throat and sort of change the way that you talk because my number one is also a batman portrayal and it's done in much the same way um you're right it was campy i used to watch the the movie that, that oh, where, sure. yeah. where, where where they all got together and disintegrated times. the what their version of the united nations and you know there's that moment where they're they're on a rope ladder with a helicopter and there's a shark attached to him and he's yelling up to robin robin toss me the shark repellent and he you know it's like a spray bottle that just has a shark repellent written on there that he's because the utility belt had everything like yeah adam west's when he got when he finally got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, that was that was a great 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 thing for him. And before you go to your number one, because I know it's it's Batman related as well. It's a, it's a different Batman. Yeah. The important thing to remember is that Batman has evolved over the years as much as as the TV characters have. And Adam West portrayal that's how Batman was being portrayed. Very campy. Nothing like the darker versions of Batman that we will see in the what the late seventies early eighties. By the time Michael Keaton's Batman comes along or Christian Bale's portrayal or something like that. But yeah, Adam West's portrayal was that's what Batman was back then. And a lot of people don't realize that he was very campy. He was very lighthearted. There was a lot of people who didn't like that variation of Batman. A lot of people who loved it. But Adam West was masterful at it. And 
you know, that TV show introduced the first Batmobile that you really got to see, which, you know, the Mark Wahlberg's character buys in Rockstar and all that sort of thing. But it's a, it's a tremendous show. And it was just, it was just so much fun. And I was a kid when that was out. So yeah, when I was a kid, I had like Batman and $6 million man going on. So that's why I'm so fucked up. I mean, awesome. Sorry. Tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ah, always those cliffhangers. Good, good stuff. Excellent pick. No fault there. My number one, it was also Ray's number one. And interestingly enough, is also a Batman. But it's an animated Batman, and it is the voice of the animated Batman from the original Batman the Animated Series, Kevin Conroy. And for me, if there was something, I I think even when it happened on band, I think I mentioned it either in the Bandwagon Nerds chat or on the show. When that series hit HBO Max, lost my damn mind. Because that show was the cutting edge of Warner Brothers animation and set up everything that they did in the future. And that starts at the portrayal of Kevin Kevin Conroy and his portrayal of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And, you know, it came out after the second Tim Burton movie and it channeled a little bit, uh, it channeled that aesthetic but again, I would argue that the voice portrayal was very similar more towards Adam West in the demeanor of the character and, and carried over really, really well. And that series spawned spinoffs and showed that Warner Brothers animation was here to stay and was really what took it all into a whole other direction. And so for me, like, I again, I would come home from school and it would be on on every weekday afternoon and I would watch Batman the Animated Series. One of the biggest, most notable DC fans in the world, Kevin Smith, has been told, has yeah. said in multiple interviews, this is my Batman. When I think of Batman, this is the voice I think of. And has Absolutely. had the chance to, you know, obliviate, uh, you know, obliviate on that and, and talk with him and everything else. So it's very much a, a testament to what you're saying there. Absolutely. And um, without this series, we don't have Harley Quinn. Because this series invented Harley Quinn. So... There you go, kids. If you want to know where she started, Batman the Animated Series, check it out on HBO Max. So that's going to do it for our first round. Tony's got a finger up. What you got, buddy? Let me just throw out a couple things that I had written down that we didn't get to. If you don't mind, real quick, and maybe no, you guys can it. comment on them or we're, whatever. We're there's, only a schedule f- this week, so. there's only a few left on here that we didn't get to out of the 22 now. Um, Invincible, I had to throw on here. Um, let me just run down here. 19 for me. Uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. John uh, Irwin was playing He-Man. Alan Oppenheimer for doing uh, Skeletor. Uh, how about Gary Owens and then George Lowe doing Space Ghost? The reincarnation coast to coast. Huh? Uh, Bruce Lee as Cato in the 60s in the Green Hornet series. That's pretty cool. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the animated series in the late 80s. And then for me, the tick, they got a newer one, but I'll take the earlier one with Patrick Warburton. So just a few more I wanted nice. to throw out there. Did you ever team. watch the cartoon? The animated? The, no. That's the newer one. No, yeah, but because it originally it was a Saturday morning cartoon on Fox. Um, and then, then Patrick Warburton's portrayal was uh, a live action show. Just as bonkers as, as, the, as the live action ones. 
Tony's so, list just made me realize we didn't have Speed Racer on our list. He could have been added. Is he a, is he a superhero? His car was. <laughs> should have had Kid on here too. Then. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Ultraman. There you go. No, I I don't know. I mean, David Hasselhoff. He's just kind of a superhero all his own. You ever see him? In, ever see him in the SpongeBob movie? I mean, come on. I didn't know. I've never watched a second of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm happy to admit that, even as I get ready to play a clip on that note, with a character's voice. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, as you as I noted earlier in the show, we are recording here on Sunday, May 9th for an episode on May 10th, which means that today is Mother's Day. And so this week for Patrick O'Dowd has a question. I just want to ask, what's something that your mom gave to you that helped make you the person you are today? And I can go first. I'll share a couple of things just to give you a moment to think, because that's a big question. If not for my mother, we're not doing this show. My mom got me enraptured with science fiction and fantasy because she loved old 1950s, 1960s science fiction adventure movies. Uh, My love for Ray Harryhausen as a special effects guy comes from my mom and her love of Sinbad, the eye of the tiger, the golden voyage of Sinbad clash of the Titans, all of them, Jason and the Argonauts, Jason, the Argonauts is probably my favorite, by the way, uh, of, of the Harryhausen movies. And because of that passion, it got me into things like Lord of the Rings. It got me excited. Like she was always supportive of superheroes. She, was just all like she watched, you know, you talked about the flash, Tony. She was the one who got me into the original flash, uh, show on CBS, that original live action one. in 1990. Yeah. Like I remember watching that with my mom. She was big into dark shadows, the, uh, vampire soap opera that used to play. It was all Gothic and full of horror. My mom gave, like helped create my passion for, really the foundation of who I am for this show. And so for that, mom, I know you're not listening, but I love you. And thank you for just being awesome. Yeah. I'll go next. Uh, I'll let Dave clean up here. Um, my mom was a huge, you sticking with like the, 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 you know, parallels of the show. It's interesting because my mom was a gigantic star Trek fan, Mm. like star, Star Trek The Next Generation was like her jam and then she watched the rest of them after that because obviously it's growing up when that was, you know, uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? WWE Hall of Famer, uh, Captain Shatner. Kirk. Thank you. William Shatner. William Shatner. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was her whole thing. She loved all the sci-fi and fantasy. But now, like, we're kind of reconnecting lately. Like, I have her watching... Um, like the Witcher and Lock and Key and now uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier or, or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's soon to be the Captain America. Um, and she's looking forward to Loki and things of that nature. So yeah, a, a lot of that kind of stuff we share in common. Um, I, 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 
no offense to my dad, but his grades aren't anywhere near what mine and my mom's were. So I would <laughs> like to thank her for that. That and uh, yeah, Dad, I know I got the athleticism from you, but yes, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and to all the women that have been mothers to children that weren't their kids as well. Happy Mother's Day! So we love you, we thank you, and um, don't expect me not to be cranky when you call me. Sometimes, I mean, did you just call too much? <laughs> what do you want me to do? I love you. Oh, I think my mom was um i think a lot like patrick's when he was talking about his mom she really kind of furthered my love for this sort of stuff even if she wasn't a complete nerd like i turned out to be and you know i i mean in her in her later years and before she passed away i mean she loved the nerdy stuff as well you know she she was the one who took i mean she dropped my sister and i off to watch the first star wars you know and you know, leaving a 10 year old in the theaters with his eight year old sister. And she's like, I got, you know, I trust I, telling me, you know, enough, I trust you well enough. You can keep an eye on your sister. I was like, all right, sure. I can do that. But I remember watching uh, empire strikes back with her. The very first time I saw that and going out of the theater and just looking at each other, like fucking Darth Vader's Luke's dad. What the hell's going on? You know? And, and, and there were so many moments like that. She bought me all these comic books. she, her and my grandmother, actually. So, I mean, grandmothers are mothers, too, obviously. And my grandmother was, um, like, when I was a kid and had asthma real bad and was, like, in the hospital for, like, a week when they first discovered, oh, shit, he's got a problem. And she was, like, getting me the action figures, like, the Captain America action figures with the back in the day when they had the shields attached to him and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I would not be doing this show or would not be the nerd that I am had it not been for my mom and my grandmother and, you know, all I could say is I love both of them, you know, and I miss both of them every day. And, and yeah, thank you for everything. And like Tony said, to all the moms out there and all the stepmoms out there, uh, to all the women who, you know, being a mom's not an easy job. That's for damn sure. And there's a lot of women out there who do a tremendous job at it. So happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to you two guys as well in a weird kind of way. Interesting way to take that. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Well said, well said, everyone. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Next week, we will bring you part two of the Hero Project sans Patrick O'Dowd. I will be sending a list of the my top ten heroes portrayed in film and movies. And hopefully we'll have a Ray Cash here. I am a little scared as it's being recorded on my birthday. Um, that I have to work on my birthday. Next week's recording will be on my birthday, and I'm going to miss it because I'm working. Because you and I, Tony, share uh, pretty close to each other in birthdays. So that'll be next week. Top 10 heroes in film. Thank you for listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and thank your mother every day. Don't just thank her on Mother's Day. She's there for you even when you don't see it. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
submarine two miles east of Sandy Nose Lightship. It's filled with human jetsam. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. It's a low neighborhood full of rum pots. They're used to curious sights, which they attribute to alcoholic delusions. Whoever dehydrated those pirates could not have foreseen their accidental rehydration with the heavy water we use in recharging the atomic pile. You saw it yourself, Robin. The slightest impact was sufficient to instantly reduce them to antimatter. No, Robin. No. It's not for mortals like us to tamper with the laws of nature. Let that be an object lesson in the dangers of tampering with the laws of Mother Nature. United World Organization. Precisely, Robin. You mean... Precisely, Robin. Precisely. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. Let's commandeer a taxi. No, Robin. Brace yourself, Robin. We're going down. This could be the end. Our job is finished. No, not now. You are a disgrace. No, no, you are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman! It's over, Darkseid. Even you must realize the folly of being a king without a kingdom. I doubt the battle between the two Kryptonians will bring about such destruction. I'm not talking about them. Your armory, the Hellspores, they've been activated. Impossible. The arming code is encrypted. I broke the code and reprogrammed them. You're bluffing. Omega Lambda 7 XL9. That sounds like a bluff to you? One Hellspore can turn an entire planet into a fire pit. What'll happen to Apocalypse when 500 go off? Come on! No, not this time. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want either of us to end up killing the other. But we're running out of alternatives. 
Perhaps it all hinges on tonight. I don't know what it was that bent your life out of shape, but maybe I've been there too. Maybe we could work together. I could rehabilitate you. You don't need to be alone. We don't have to kill each other. Let me help you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.